Hi, and thanks for downloading this episode of Queer I Am, the podcast. I really hope you enjoy it. This podcast started as a small idea and has turned into a real passion project for me and is something that I wish to continue to make way into the future, but I need your help in doing so. So there is a cost in making Queer I Am, the podcast, and it's something that I funded and will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. But if you'd like to get involved and support the podcast by subscribing to Acast Plus, that would be incredible. And if this is something you can't do, no worries at all. I really hope you keep enjoying the episodes and I intend to keep making them for as long as possible. Season three is coming up and you are in for an absolute treat. I am so, so excited. If you'd like to support the podcast, details of how you can do this are in the blurb of the episode you were listening to. And what this also means is you get to listen to all of the episodes of Queer I Am The Podcast, past and future, completely ad-free. So no interruptions whatsoever. What could be better? Anyway, enough of the serious blurb. Let's crack on with the show. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Welcome to another episode of Queer I Am, the podcast. Today I'm talking with the former player and now club secretary of the Brighton and Hove Sea Serpents, a queer inclusive rugby team. We talk about the love of the sport and the importance of having safe spaces for queer people to play and thrive. We also discuss the issues our trans siblings are facing in sport and competition right now and how we can change the narrative. I'm thrilled to be speaking to the wonderful Paul Tyndall. So whatever you're up to, this is your time to settle down, relax and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Queer I Am. So, Paul, thank you so much for being a guest on season two of Queer I Am, the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. How are you feeling today? You know what? I'm excited. A little bit nervous, but overall excited. You're going to be fine. We've got beers. Um, this is We had beers on the recording last week as well, so I'm thinking this is going to become like a regular theme, to be honest. Um, it's going to come in half cut. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, last week when I um, recorded, um, I actually went out in the afternoon with friends for drinks. 
and I've not done that before before a podcast, but luckily it all went well and the the edit's good, so you you wouldn't have known. It's absolutely good. fine. Well done. Yes. So um, so you're feeling good, and if you had a mood, a song to describe your mood for the day, what would that be? Uh, see, so I'm a little bit of a fan of the podcast. Um, so I have had a little think about this before okay. today. Uh, so recently, my uh, my partner's moved in with me. Woo! Yay! Uh, which is amazing. And I was thinking about what sort of songs. And I'm a bit of a Donna Summer fan. So okay. I was thinking, I feel love. I feel love oh. is is very apt. It's very sunny today. Mm. It's it's kind of the, kind of, is it kind of coming to the end of summer? Maybe a little bit. Kind. I mean, it's definitely darker in the evening now, isn't it? It is. Um, yeah. And uh, it's like kind of the last bit of the summer kind of kicking out. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's that's my song of the day. Amazing. I went to karaoke last night. Well, I didn't get, to, I went and saw some drag last night. I went to the quiz at the Queen's Arms and then we had an impromptu karaoke night afterwards. Of course. Is that so, Cosmics? Cosmics night, yeah. yeah. So um, I think we were all singing until about one in the morning. It was a really good night. Um, so I was a little bit worse this morning. All I my bet. stories turned into pub, <laughs> pub conversations. There's a theme here. Um, but I, I gave a little rendition of, and Julian will be laughing at this because I'm, um, he knows what my singing's like but I did do a little version of Jennifer Hudson's and I'm telling you last night on karaoke I wish I was there to witness that I have to say I think I was pretty good I mean you know <laughs> I don't know what everyone else for I got a stunning ovation and a clap so you know gonna go with it I think maybe everyone was just a bit kind of half cut and being kind but um it was it was really good fun I mean I have heard you sing Mel C and that was that was beautiful um when did you hear me sing Mel C uh was it karaoke that was at the Bulldog when we oh, were all oh that wasn't beautiful. That was terrible. <laughs> I mean, I, I was being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> that was about, yeah, it was the acoustics. It wasn't my voice. <laughs> yeah, of course, absolutely. <laughs> so, where did you grow up, and where do you call home now? Uh, so, I grew up uh, kind of on the outskirts of Brighton, um, and well, I say the outskirts. I grew up in Crawley, so that's near Gatwick Airport. Yep. Um, and I moved uh, out when I was uh, twenty-one. Now, I've I've worked in Brighton for about ten years, so okay. I kind of feel like. Uh, part of Brighton I was mm-hmm. here every day I was going mm-hmm. out in the evening staying at friends all that sort of stuff but I've actually only lived uh, in Brighton for uh, two years okay uh, because it's quite expensive and yep. it took me a little bit of time so what I kind of did I slowly moved down south so I did like stayed in Crawley then went to Haywards Heath and then Burgess Hill and now and now Brighton so that's I've just amazing. slowly come down yeah and to the place that I wanted to be that's amazing and what what is it about Brighton that gets under your skin what do you love about Brighton you know what when I was uh 13 I I went to um my mate i was like oh um let's go down to brighton for the day like we're kind of feeling a little bit independent we're mm-hmm. teenagers or like, let's get on a train um and we didn't realize it was actually pride mm-hmm. oh, um wow. on that day no idea uh and i was uh kind of juggling around with my thoughts on sexuality and things at the time and when i realized that this was kind of the norm here mm-hmm. and knowing it quite well already from like having day trips as a kid and knowing the area knowing the pier etc i was like oh this this place is kind of where it has to be and it's always been stuck in my mind since so mm. it's kind of been my goal to move down here yeah. um whilst it did take me 15 years i got here yeah, um that's amazing and right? uh yeah so it, it's uh it's a magical place mm, <laughs> there is I and mean, i mean you know you've listened to the other podcast but you know every guest that lives here or has moved here recently just loves it i think it's you know i've only been here 10 months but it's yeah it's just so within me now i can't imagine living anywhere else oh, um, I, I have this conversation regularly there's like you know it's expensive you can find uh, other places blah 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 and i'm like i would not move no uh, you know i might move to hove potentially i'm in mm-hmm, Kemptown, mm-hmm. um which i absolutely love um and it's the place that again i always wanted to stay there for mm-hmm. like the the bohemian feel the sort of laid back vibes mm-hmm. um but uh, it, it's just it's such a queer centric city mm-hmm. and you know you've probably heard this on the previous podcast but it has got this sort of 
undertones of acceptance and inclusion and it's mm. just you just feel comfortable um yeah. all, all the time here when you're in the thick of it aren't you being in camp town mm. in yeah. the queer space um but you know i love it whenever i get to the bottom of um st james street um is it st james street or james street st james street, st. Yeah. james street um whenever i get to the bottom of that near the like the sainsbury's and i start walking up that hill <laughs> i just get this vibe of like oh my god it's just i don't know there's just this like love and realness and don't get me wrong like sometimes you walk along the street and sometimes at night it's a bit like oh it's a lot of people out and it can yeah. feel a bit unsafe at times because but that's the same in any city but there's just a buzz around there that i just absolutely adore um i mean i live in hove so i do like the balance of kind of like coming back and then going forward you know mm -hmm. going back and stuff like that but um yeah it is it is magical isn't it it's just it's one of those places that i don't know i just yeah i think about old life versus new life and it's just there's just no comparison yeah. it's just amazing when you said magical there i suddenly thought of uh that old toys r us advert there's a magical place <laughs> where oh, on our way there that's yeah. it yeah uh it's called kemp town uh no <laughs> <laughs> so true <laughs> well yeah um no you're absolutely right when you, you kind of go i'm i'm sort of further into kemp town so okay i you know i don't I wouldn't mind living in the hustle and bustle, but actually it's, it's a little bit more, it's nearer by like the hospital. So it's a little bit more quiet. Okay. Um, there's just like a, you know, a couple of bars, a couple of restaurants. Uh -huh. There's a lot more, a lot more chiller. Um, my, my best friend actually lived above uh, one of the shops there and it was busy. Yeah, I can <laughs> it imagine. was busy. I can um, imagine. And I do like my sort of quiet and peace time. I think otherwise I'd just be like on edge all the time yeah. listening to people walking around and whatnot. Well, there's actually, um, we met some people that live like n right near the queen's arms, like across the road. Oh, and, right. and obviously you know, it's gr I love that street. I love George Street. I love going to the Queen's Arms. It's my favourite venue. But um, I can't imagine hearing the music every night. You know, yeah. um, it would. I think it would do my head in a little bit. Maybe when I was in my twenties, I'd have felt a bit different. But like now, I just that's just not what I could do. So I think it's nice you've got that balance, and you can kind of yeah. live a bit outside of it as well. But that's amazing. Um, so obviously, by day you work for a large corporation. You have a very important job. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> but um, you're obviously responsible for the um, for setting up the Brighton and Hove Sea Serpents uh, rugby rugby group, and um, it's a queer inclusive rugby team from 2015. And you're the club secretary and also the support of the chairman, which is yes. just amazing. So, how did this all come about? Um, well, with the rugby club itself. Um, yeah. So, uh, two gentlemen named Byron Todd and Ian Chaplin, uh, both uh, were a part of the uh, King's Cross Steelers, which is the, one of the biggest rugby, or the IGR is the International Gay Rugby Association. Yeah, uh, It's one of the biggest clubs, uh -huh. <clears throat> one of the originals. And did they have a documentary about them on Amazon? Yes. Yes, I remember yeah. I watched that, yeah. Um, and they were, Ian was the chairman and Byron, I think, was the club captain, but they moved down to Brighton mm -hmm. similar times. And like, actually, Sussex has a bit of a, a space where well, we're in Brighton, which mm -hmm. is, you know, queer capital of, of, of you know, United Kingdom. Um, and... Sussex didn't have a an inclusive team, so mm -hmm. it felt a bit it felt a bit odd. Rugby's quite big down here anyway, mm -hmm. yeah. And so they uh, put out a couple of flyers like we're looking at starting this team. Um, one of my friends messaged me and said, "Oh, you know, this has come up, and I know you you've just recently stopped playing rugby. Mm -hmm. um, did you want to go down?" And I was like, hmm. "Was a little bit unsure." It was at the Camelford Arms, mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, I think it was the November uh, in 2015. Uh, we had a couple of meetings. Uh, we had loads of numbers, mm -hmm. loads of people turn up, loads of people interested, uh, mixture of, you know, ages, heights, weights, sizes, mm -hmm. everything. Um, and yeah, I think by the 
February of 2016, we had our first game against the King Cross Steelers, okay. oddly enough. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, in the absolute abysmal pouring rain. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that's kind of how it started. It was it was this gap, basically, that, that, that Sussex and Surrey needed. It was the first inclusive team. We're also the first inclusive team that uh, were in the mainstream Sussex League, okay. so against the, the traditional rugby teams, which okay. was, again, quite gra- groundbreaking at the yeah, time. Yeah, of course. Uh, very nerve-wracking as well. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, and it, it's been going ever since, mm-hmm. uh, and and stronger and stronger every year. Um, I started off as a player, mm-hmm. but because um, I've been playing rugby since I was about seven, um, I helped sort of uh, do a little bit of coaching initially, get the, the team on board, sort of like help out the newbies until mm-hmm. we got like a full time coach, mm-hmm. um, which we do now and have done uh, for many years. Um, and I then was like, right, okay, so I've now helped set up this team. What can I do more of? And this secretary role has come up. Uh, I've been doing it for, uh, I think, over a year now. Um, So whilst Ian and Byron are now stepped away from the club, we've got this new like Mm -hmm. blood coming through it at Mm -hmm. the moment uh, where we're taking the club a new direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lots of international stuff coming up. It's very, very exciting. Yeah. Um, I think at the last AGM, we've got like 80 paying people in the club. Oh, wow. You know, starting from like a little gathering at a pub yeah. uh, in 2015, it has grown into this this really big, like we refer to it as like the Serpent Family, basically. That's amazing. It's so cool. And so you've been playing since you were seven. What yeah. was it that initially attracted you to play rugby? Um, I see. I was a, quite an obese child. Okay. Um, <laughs> and um, my, I, I had no interest in, in playing sports, really. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, a, I'm a video gamer. It's my hobby. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to stay inside, go to school and, and, and not, 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 not do much else. But um, I realized that I needed to do something. Uh, didn't want, I didn't like football, never have done. Again, mm-hmm. there was something about the mentality, interestingly enough, that I just couldn't vibe with when I was younger. And yeah. I, it was never, I never really hung around with the macho boys and things like that. So mm-hmm. uh, not that I'm stereotyping, but at the time when you're at school, it was all very scary. So of course, um, my um my dad was like right well you know Crawley have a rugby team and you you like rugby because you've seen you know I watch it and my dad was a massive fan mm-hmm. my dad took me down there and I fell in love with it and I just I just stuck with it ever since mm-hmm. um it had its it had its trials mm-hmm. there was times where I wanted to not do it anymore mm-hmm. especially growing up as a teenager uh and trying to sort of find out my identity and and mm-hmm. where I place in the world mm-hmm. um but my dad, who is my absolute hero, uh, sort oh. of stuck by me the whole time. And he actually became a coach to make sure that I was all right when I was That's sort of amazing. going through the ranks as such. So, uh, and, he's, and he still does stuff for the club now. So That's incredible. Yeah. And, and obviously you've mentioned about being overweight as a child. I mean, you know, that's quite difficult for any child, especially when you get to like teen years and things. But was it almost an advantage as well, though, to have more of kind of like a bigger frame to play rugby? Because I guess it's quite a aggressive contact sport, isn't it? So did, was that kind of, in the end, an advantage to you, do you think? Or do you think you would have done it if you hadn't been in that situation? I, I don't know. I think... It played to some uh, like some advantage when you when when you're sort of seven and eight. They don't really play like a contact version of it anyway. Okay, right. But it was more for like later on, and, and it felt more accepting because I was bigger and it was rugby, and mm-hmm. you know some of the adults were you know these huge mm-hmm. guys, mm-hmm. Uh, and it felt a lot more accepting. Whilst you know you didn't necessarily need to be like sort of nimble on your feet and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing, which I, I really wasn't. I still run around with like my you know my feet are completely flat, <laughs> and they sort of stomp around. Um, so. It felt more uh, accepting okay. as, a, as, a, as an environment for me to feel comfortable in to actually, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 
exercise and try and mm-hmm. be healthy that was the initial bit but then mm-hmm. sort of the passion grew, grew from passion there. And love yeah it's, it's hard when you're a kid and you're going through you know early years into puberty and then teenage years and finding yourself and your identity and how you look i mean it's so important isn't it so i can only imagine for anyone in that situation it's difficult to actually make that transition and say right i'm going to do something different but it's amazing that, that then turned into a passion and became something that you you know you're now so heavily involved in um so you know obviously as a rugby player and a queer person how important do you think it is to have um inclusive spaces where everyone can be really free and be themselves so um obviously it's massively important Mm. massively important so um obviously i can only speak from my sort of uh experiences but um with with the rugby club we really wanted a space where um men of any sexuality identity mm-hmm. um because we were at the start mainly a men's team but that's now progressed into mm-hmm. um other other parts of it such as touch rugby which is completely mixed for example mm-hmm. so we're now trying to make it even more of an inclusive environment to get more people involved um but you know when you were at school i'm sure you might have experienced this yourself but mm-hmm. You know, when you have that sort of uh, physical education and not mm. feeling quite comfortable into mm. getting involved, but actually, you know, sport is a very good thing. You know, there's so much science behind um, it, it being good for your mind as well as your body. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted a space where, um, you know, you could come along, you could feel accepted regardless of your background, regardless of what you've been to, make some friends, which is really difficult sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um um and 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 be sort of a, a safe space for people to uh keep active mm-hmm. um be inclusive and diverse in what we're doing and um you know at the end of the day we do have this sort of common ground and goal of now playing rugby and getting trophies snatching mm-hmm. trophies of course all that sort of stuff uh cups plates whatever it's going to be mm-hmm. uh everyone's sort of really driven to that 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 common goal which is, mm-hmm. is really nice to be a part of mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely and and i guess you know you talked about finding yourself and your teen years and obviously rugby, I guess it was a passion, but something that you had conflict with Mm. Um, in terms of your sexuality and, you know, being queer and, you know, you know, being involved in a sport, which I guess, you know, this may be a stereotypical statement, but I guess could be seen as a very masculine environment. Mm. And I guess um, very kind of heteronormative. Um, And it's great that we have queer spaces where, you know, we're open to everyone and people can be accepted. But I guess, was there ever a conflict between your love of the sport and your sexuality when you were growing up? And how did you kind of overcome that? Yeah, 100%, 100%. So uh, I I mentioned earlier that there was a a moment where I sort of like stopped playing. Mm -hmm. Um, So bearing in mind, I've been a part of the Crawley Rugby Club for such a long time. you know, through my my child years, really, and my teens, and I I kind of grew up with this group of uh you know fifteen to twenty um mm-hmm. men uh boys when we started, uh kind of really grew up with them. We were very very close. You know, we used mm-hmm. to go around to each other's houses, and when we grew up, we used to go out drinking and etc mm-hmm. etc. Et but there was always a part of me that you I could never come out to them because I was mm-hmm. afraid of what would happen. Mm-hmm. So when we started getting into college, I would have been what sixteen seventeen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I started trying to like come out to friends and stuff and. The, the 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 rumors start to spread yeah, and i and and i completely panicked i was like what if they find out what is going to happen to me am i going to reject him am i going to lose my friends mm-hmm. um and you know crawley rugby club crawley's quite a sort of it can be quite rough in places anyway mm-hmm. it's not 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 no you know not like brighton in terms of its inclusivity though it's much better now crawley mm-hmm. pride was last weekend and it was amazing um i didn't feel comfortable and felt like I had to leave that situation, which mm-hmm. meant I had to give up something that I loved because um, 
of of sort of the heteronormative environment mm. and the masculine side of it. Um, however, joined the Serpents, and I was what twenty one, twenty two, and we were in this sort of uh, you know queer rugby team, and we were in the Sussex League. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Crawley is in Sussex, mm-hmm. so we actually ended up playing them in our second year. It, may, it might have been in the first year, it might have been second year, I can't quite remember. Um, it was a quite a daunting moment because it turns mm-hmm. out the people that I used to play with are now on the other side. Okay. And I there was me on this, you know, uh, gay rugby team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was quite a moment. The the captain at the time, Byron, um, actually said to me, you know, because I was vice captain, he was like, I want you to captain this game because I know it means so much to you. Oh, that's lovely. It was quite a pivotal moment in my life and sort of like, again, finding my space. Um, and... Uh, playing against the people that I grew up with was was nerve wracking. However, turns out a lot of it was in my head because mm. all these people that uh, you know I was scared of coming out to after the game were like, one, we had no idea, and two, if even if we did know, it doesn't matter. Like, don't, don't yeah, mm. exactly. We've mm. we've known you since you know you were a kid or you're in your teens, mm-hmm. and we've done this, and we've you know we've been to France and we've played against Russian teams, and we've been through like all these sort of like. Mm weird and wonderful tribulations why would you think that matters and it was completely in my own head and it was just like hang on a second you know um it's not all that bad Mm -hmm. and it really started to uh push me to accept more who i was um all for this gay rugby team which again why it's so important which is why i'm here today to talk about it um and yeah i i remember sort of having a bit of a tear off the uh, the, Mm -hmm. you know at the end of the game because i was just like you know this is quite a moment for me i had to leave something that i loved Mm -hmm. And then a couple of years later, facing the demon as such, mm-hmm. and it was all fine. Bit of a full circle moment, I guess. It was. It? it was. Yeah. And, and I guess it's acceptance and validation, isn't it? And and you know, we all do it. We all look for that externally, and that's that's a shame, isn't it? Because actually, the true acceptance and love that we should have is within ourselves, and we it takes certain situations to to find that, I guess. Yeah. Um, but we all need to have those moments sometimes where we are kind of reassured. What did that time do to like you and your mental health? I mean. I, We've talked quite a lot on this podcast about filtering and actually as queer people, we have to filter ourselves to be, you know, fitting in in different situations. And I guess that's an example of that, isn't it? It's, you know, stepping away from something you truly love because there's a conflict of who you are and it shouldn't matter. So did that have leave an effect on your mental health and and kind of how did you get through that? Um, So I think uh, for me, I... I'm quite a good sort of shielder and mm. sort of I, I bury things and and, right. and and my friends will always be like, oh, Paul's the, you know, the, the I often referred to as the matriarch, the one that didn't have any problems, the one that was okay. always there for everyone else, the one that, you know, if you wanted to come to advice or just to hang out with, I was, I was always there. And, and mm. that's great. But mm. what I was actually doing is kind of ignoring all the other stuff that I was trying to deal with, mm. um, you know it was uh, suppressing it and mm. pretending that it wasn't there. And actually uh, it was, it was sort of like underground anxiety that mm-hmm. was just constantly there. Mm-hmm. And every time that I would go back home and even to a degree today, you know, if you're walking around uh, sort of the streets you grew up, I wouldn't be able to hold my partner's hand, for mm-hmm. example. And that mm-hmm. still comes out um, in, in that sort of anxiety. But um, I, you know, I was a complete nervous wreck when I had to face these people mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of, and that that full circle moment you spoke of, um, you know, it did it did calm the beast a little bit, mm-hmm. and then I sort of started to open up about actually, you know, I do have these sort mm-hmm. of problems with sometimes my identity and and how I present, and 
it can be quite masculine forward at times and um, I also don't think my day job particularly helps because that's quite a masculine environment and you're always sort of masking it mm. um, and 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 that's kind of oh that's such a great you know you can you can be whoever you want and actually it's not because I can never be me yeah it's, I, I completely agree I think it's and it's that whole label isn't it masculine feminine and kind of everything in between and it, when I think about those, those are constructs in themselves, but they are so relevant. And actually, mm. you know, I mean, I, you know, I work in a, my day job is, you know, in the corporate world. Um, and I, I remember working in an office years and years ago and avoiding going to the tea station because it was just surrounded by men. And there was something about that where I thought, I don't feel comfortable in that space. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I, I did. And, you know, I found myself a bit more and I got more confident and that kind of stuff. But I think, the the things we read, the things we hear, the experiences we have, the shame that's put on us by other people's words or whatever, that leaves a mark whether we realise or not. And actually, it's only when you start to see that filter right in other things. So for you, like you, it was leaving a rugby team. For me, it was like avoiding a group of people at, yeah. t- at a coffee machine because I was thinking, oh, they know about me or they're going to, what will they think of me? You know, you're always on high alert. It's, yeah. it's kind of exhausting, isn't it, really? It is. And and when you say like being on high alert, that is, that is me yeah. like all the time mm. back then where mm. I was just on edge like what does that person think of me because you know what if, if whoever says I don't care what this person thinks of me deep down you kind of do to a degree and and I'm always like a, a person that um you know wants to present well and be friendly and 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 you know you do want to be liked and get on with people mm. it's that sort of that social sort of uh mm. humanity in us and so you know, when you when you have that anxiety of not being yourself and you see these group of people and you can't interact with them because of all these barriers that you end up putting in your own head, mm-hmm. um, until you overcome that and then it sounds like you've you've obviously had that situation where you now you can interact with it and be yeah. yourself. And then likewise with me, I can talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um but you know what, there has been some times where I've been uh at the one I had what well, came up the other day. Oh, um, so you must have a wife and kids. Oh, God, I hate it yeah. every time. And I just instantly, like like a cat, my back goes up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm just like... Because uh, 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 now uh, I have to come out again. I've now got to explain myself. And it's, yeah. Coming I've, out every day is the hardest thing. It exhausting. gets easier, but it is exhausting. Mm. Oh, 100%. And, uh, and a, a manager of mine, when I first started working for my current role... Um, he's a very very good friend of mine still and he was like he was the first person that actually recognized that as as a a, a hetero man he he said you coming out every time because mm-hmm. i was leaving to a new job and i said to him i was like i'm nervous about meeting new people because mm-hmm. i'm gonna have to come out again mm-hmm. and he was like i never thought about it and yeah that's it but this is the thing isn't it and i you know i recorded a podcast recently with um, one of the guests helen and she was saying that it's one of those things where we we always have to do it and we're always thinking about it and it's it, you know it's you know straight people don't ever have to think about coming out you know mm-hmm. but for queer people of you know wherever you fit in the umbrella you're always having to present yourself or always having to you know um i guess open up to people whether it's in a job whether it's meeting new people and i got into the habit actually a few years ago of like when people would ask how my weekend was i'd say oh yeah me and my husband did this or mm-hmm. because i wanted to make those conversations as natural as possible yeah. but again even doing that you still feel an anxiety and there's been times where i felt anxious about certain situations like if i've gone back home and i've been in the supermarket or i don't know Imagine like, I don't know, for example, I've done something camp or we've, we've done, as you can imagine, but, <laughs> but imagine something's happened there or we've, we've said something and then 
I instantly think, oh, who heard that? Or who? And it's because mm-hmm. you're on high alert all the time and you don't feel safe in your environment. Yeah. And then you give yourself a hard time about it. You go, oh, I shouldn't be feeling like that. And it's like, well, actually, that doesn't come from nowhere. You know, that's because you've got these old files in your head which are presented by discrimination and bullying and people saying rude things to you. So, I don't know. I, th- I think it's it's a really, really tricky one. And I think maybe we are all probably too hard on ourselves in that 100%. respect as well. Um, yeah. You know, we almost want perfection, don't we? Um, That's the goal, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and I and I don't think it's as, as easy as that. But um, you know, change is happening. But I still think it's really, really tough for queer people. So, but no, thank you for sharing that because I think it's um, I think it's an interesting kind of contrast between like the sporting world and and we you know we read the news, we see you know when people come out in sport, it makes headlines because mm-hmm. actually there are still so so wet so much um further to go in that in that regard um and it's lovely that you know more mainstream people are now coming out and you know but like someone like gareth thomas in rugby for example Mm -hmm. i mean he had to wait to the end of his career and you know i've read his book really interesting book but he had a really really tough time his mental health was terrible and you know and it's it's such a shame that you know you just think when people are hiding, they're they're not thriving as much. You know, you're it's it it just puts barriers in the way, and that's that's a real shame. Wasn't he about to get outed by the media as well? Yeah, and absolutely. it's just oh it, oh, it makes me feel sick. Yeah, um, considering like obviously nowhere near the same caliber, that's kind of the same field, mm. and 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 feeling that sort of uh, that pressure of of what people will think in that environment that is t- stereotypically quite masculine. Uh, which, by the way, it kind of isn't. We're all they're, they're, everyone's so chilled. The more the more teams I meet, mm. uh, and I've met thousands, uh, the the you realise that in in the rugby world in particular, mm-hmm. it is very very uh, inclusive, bar one thing. But we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I hated it when I saw that there was a potential that he would have been outed. It's just it's disgusting. It really I don't know is. whether he was also potentially outed around his HIV diagnosis well, yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, what I love about him, I've obviously read his book, and it was it was quite a dark read because obviously he had a really really tough time. Um, but you know, you look at him on Instagram now with his husband and their dogs and their life, Perfect. and he's so so happy. And I just think that's yeah, you really deserve that. You know, it's absolutely it's wonderful when you see that come together. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, so in terms of um, talk about, you know, controversy and sport and um, kind of issues, you know, I, I think that it would be safe to say that, um, you know, you're a massive ally of um, of the community, but also of the trans community in particular. Um, and you've made your feelings known on social media around, you know, some of the, uh, the stuff that's going on at the moment, especially with like, our trans siblings being excluded from sports and, and particularly in, in rugby as well. So can you talk to me a bit about that and kind of what is going on at the moment? Yeah, so I'll give you a little bit of background. So... Um... Every, every year, the RFU, the, the Rugby uh, Union, uh, the, the governing body as such, um, basically review rules that they might want to to potentially make it safe for the sport or change something that might make it better. That's the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and a year ago, they said they're going to start researching into uh, the trans players in the sport. Kind of worried me a little bit, but it all kind of went underground for a bit. No one really spoke about it. Um, And it came out, I think it was now probably two months ago, that they're actually putting forward a transgender ban from the women's side. Mm -hmm. So transgender women um, were at threat of basically being told that they couldn't play uh, in the women's team in the uh, sort of the full contact side of things. So just to clarify, so this is someone that's transitioned from, you know, their sex assigned at birth would have been male. male. They've transitioned to, to female. female yeah. And okay, so just to clarify that for the listener. Yeah. So, um, and and unfortunately it did go through. Mm-hmm, right. So it was, oh, I've got the facts and figures somewhere, but essentially it was it was relatively close. Yeah, so it was 33 members voted in favour of the trans ban, which is what it was called, which is horrible as well, and 26 against and mm-hmm. two abstained. Now, <clears throat> what, and it also it does affect the uh, transgender men as well because they have to go through a risk assessment now. There was an element of that before, um, and they also have to uh, sign a waiver to say that they're happy to play the sport. Mm-hmm. But in the men's side, it's a, a, a little bit more accepted. But in the women's one, if you're a transgender woman woman playing, you can't now. You right. can't you can't play the sport. It's outright done. Um, it was uh, hidden under the excuse of safety and uh science okay. and that's that's literally what was put on there they said that they have scientists looking at it and they've read and they they've done research and that they they think there's safety issues but they never come out to what the science was right there was no peer reviews so if you're going to do an experiment my understanding is that there should be yeah, reviews mm. uh clarification you know, you do the test several times but again when challenged it was never came out mm-hmm. um and I have trans friends who have been affected by this. Mm-hmm. And if you go on to any of the inclusive rugby teams, uh, we all got very much the same uh, view. The Serpents were one of the first to put up sort of our views on the, on the trans band. Obviously, we're fully against it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there was this heartbreaking um, sort of rendition from one of the whole Roundheads players who was like, um, you know, I can't no longer play because of what some guy 
Mm-hmm. In who doesn't know me, mm-hmm. I've been playing all my life, and now I know you know I now can't do this. And they're saying that the, the tagline for the RFU is rugby for all, mm-hmm. and that's now the joke because it clearly isn't. No, and they're saying, Oh, you know, but you can play touch rugby and you can become a ref or a coach. But I'm sorry, but you know, we should be treating everyone the same. Mm-hmm. There is no safety issues. I've met so many transgender players in my time with the IGR and the Serpents, and it's never been mm. an issue. Mm-hmm. In rugby, you get people different shapes and sizes. I've played in the men's team uh, against people, you know, way bigger than me, taller, stronger. I've played with people who are a lot smaller. You know, you're thinking, oh, that guy's like a beanpole and, you know, he's Mm going to break. Mm -hmm. Um, But you get all shapes and sizes Mm -hmm. and there's different positions for that. Mm -hmm. And it's, they're they're, they're saying, you know, that there's now a safety issue in that. It's just, it's just utter rubbish. It's just uh, almost like a turf mentality, really. And that's kind of what it's been labeled Mm -hmm. as. And uh, it's, it's sickening for me because Mm -hmm. I, it's just heartbreaking again, because I have such a passion for the sport to see Mm -hmm. a part of my community again, be excluded. But what they also didn't think about is now the, the backlash. So I was quite vocal on my social medias about it. Um, And I got some backlash from, um, you know, people outside our community, but also inside our community Mm -hmm. saying that it was uh, for the right reasons, that it was science and that that they shouldn't be able to play and that uh, I needed to take the emotion out of it. That was one of the comments I got and it infuriated me because like, this is not about emotions. This is not, this is, this is almost kind of like a business decision where Mm -hmm. they're like, we don't want to deal with this. So we're just going to put it to one side and pretend that these people don't exist. But if you've got emotion about it, actually that's understandable because you care, you know, that's you, you want the right thing to happen for people that you love and respect, you know, that's important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and transgender people are being uh, systematically shut down by the government and now mm-hmm. sporting bodies and you know just humans it, it, i'm getting all emotional about because you're so upsetting that you just see like one of your siblings as you put it which is a beautifully way to put it um is 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 being pushed away from something mm-hmm. that i've tried to build from mm-hmm. you know the ground up with other people to be an inclusive space mm-hmm. um <clears throat> so yeah, it's it's something that we're still fighting against. It's something that is coming in as of September, uh, which is which is next week. Um, is there an appeal phase, or can it can it be appealed? Um, it's not. Well, there's protests, but it's not something that can really be appealed. They're not looking to to review the decision. Um, you know, I've done a little bit of research into um, into it in terms of, you know. When I'm talking about the experiments and the things that they're trying to do, like has mm-hmm. it been reviewed? Is it is it mm-hmm. really um, a safety issue? But actually, there's no definite. There's absolutely no definitive way, mm-hmm. certainly at the moment, to say that there it is or it isn't. Mm-hmm. And um, and it comes down to like meaningful competition is kind of the word. If you look into it and in the different transports mm-hmm. uh, that are coming out, swimming often gets referred to as mm-hmm. as one. Um, there's Oddly enough, a little bit about fencing that I found out about. Really, fencing? Yeah. So one of the one of the sort of stories that came up to me. So uh, when I was looking into it, is fencing, and in terms of ten um, percent of the population are left-handed, right? Mm-hmm. But forty percent of fencers are left-handed because they get a strategic advantage in the sport if you're left-handed. Okay. Um, and sixty percent are right-handed. So, um, but that's a distinct advantage that these people have. Uh, but it doesn't 
it's never sort of spoken about because it's just the game mm-hmm. and it's about that sort of meaningful competition. Mm-hmm. So, and you can apply that to lots of situations. And in rugby, you get different framed people that might mm-hmm. have an advantage in one situation, but might not have it in something else. And yeah. it's such a diverse game. Mm-hmm. You can't scientifically tell me that this one scenario is going to get someone injured because in a rugby game, anyone could get injured. Mm. And that's kind of what you sign up for. Mm. Um, so it was very interesting to see that sort of comparison. And, and you know, you look at boxing, for example, you know, you get people of different weights and mm. different sizes and they go, oh, this guy's got an advantage because he's got uh, more weight behind him or he's got a stronger right hook or something. Mm. But it, they still, you know, they still fight a hate they boxing, but they still do yeah. it uh, because it's that meaningful competition. So why can't we include these people when, by the way, there's been no recorded injuries by, you know, that's of, of that type. Um, they've just decided to outright ban it because, well, I don't really know why. It must mm-hmm. be something to do with transphobic behavior. I've got, yeah. I've, I've it, it's got, mm-hmm. it's got to be. Um, and so, yeah, we will continue to fight it and we'll continue to be vocal about it's it. It's heartbreaking. And the thing is, it's like, we know as a community that, you know, uh, queer people are, you know, more likely to have mental health problems mm-hmm. and suffer with depression or self-harming or be excluded and it's like you know that sport could be something that really keeps someone going you know they could that training every week the game could be something that you know camaraderie you, yeah inclusivity you take that away that's someone's identity being stripped isn't it and it's just it's heartbreaking what what yeah. can we do to change the narrative in not just in sport but i guess in the conversation around our trans siblings you know there's i think there's just there is just so much kind of yeah ridicule and hate and um kind of negative connotations in the news the media headlines um and as you talked about turfs you know what what can we do as a community to change the narrative and to ensure that our trans siblings have more positive representation do you think it's got to come from us from the start. Mm. As I said on my on my socials, I got it from within our own community to say mm. that you know what I was outly putting, what the club was outly putting that was was incorrect. And mm. I think it starts with us to actually stand up and mm-hmm. for our our friends and our community, and that's where it's got to start. And mm. then we can start building from everything else. Yeah. Um. And decisions like this are impactful because what they don't see is then not necessarily on my social media, but you can see any sort of like headline on any trans issue and you'll get the bigots and you'll get the idiots Mm -hmm. and, and, and saying whatever they want to say. Um, and you know, it's that sort of stuff that we need to stand against. Mm -hmm. And, and that, and that starts with us ultimately. And that, and, and that's why the rugby club and that's why we're all so passionate about it because mm-hmm. if we don't stand up for them then no one will no this is it and i think this is you know people often ask again and we've, we've mentioned this a few times you know why do we still have pride but clear it's examples so what we're talking about you know it's until we have equality for everyone mm-hmm. there'll always be a need for pride i think it's a really tough topic but i think it's one that you know we've got to keep the conversation going about really and yeah it, i don't I just find it heartbreaking when you know people are excluded or you know, ostracized for just being who they are, you know, fundamentally who they are. It's like, we all can relate to that, you know, um, at some point in our lives, but it's just like, it's, it just feels that the trans community are just having a tough, tough time at the moment. And they have done for a long time, but I don't know. It just feels like we're going backwards in some respects as well. Um, It's almost like the more that they, they kind of come out from the woodwork that that was oppressed on them in the first place. mm -hmm. And as we're trying to build, um, you know, our, 
community, the more that it becomes accepted in some ways, the more backlash is put on them. And mm-hmm. I think that's why when you say it feels like they're having a tough time, mm-hmm. yeah, because the, unfortunately the oppressors are seeing it and mm-hmm. they want to push back. So mm-hmm. we've got to stand up and fight. Yeah, absolutely. And and stand stand with each other. Absolutely. Well, if there's a protest, I'll come along. I'll definitely, oh, come, I'll definitely come and support, absolutely. And I think it would be safe to say, Paul, that um, allyship is something you're very passionate about. Yeah. Um, so... You know, in terms of being an ally, this is something we always talk about on the podcast. But what advice would you give to someone who, you know, wants to be an ally um, to our community, who doesn't know what to do or doesn't know how to get involved? You know, how can someone be a better ally equally inside the community and outside of the community? I mean, we've talked about being trans allies and Mm -hmm. allies of our siblings generally in the community anyway. But what can people do if they, they really don't know what to do, do you think? Um, so it, it really depends on if you, who you speak to. For me personally, I don't mind being asked questions on mm-hmm. th- on certain things, but some people will be like, "No, you need to go and do your research, mm-hmm. and then and then we can kind of talk." Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't necessarily like pushing back on people like that, so I always say, "Let's have the conversation first, and mm-hmm. then I can show you where you can find that information." But that's nice, um, and because conversations are very powerful. Yeah. Um, kind of hence why we're here today. Yes, Ooh, yes. Full circle moment. <laughs> um, you know, so that I would say reach out to those groups. Yeah. Um, so for example, again, I can only talk about what I know about, but there's lots of different uh, groups um, such as the Rugby Club, but there's also Out to Swim. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a, a gay football team. But if, you know, you can reach out to these, cl- uh, these people, they are inclusive environments. So mm-hmm. uh, talk to them, find mm-hmm. out what they're about. And then by... And sort of putting yourself within the uh, the the group, um, you'll end up learning more anyway by having those conversations with people. That's yeah. that's the way forward. And um, but also we need to be more accepting at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I I kind of hate that. Um, oh God, the word escapes me. Um, what is like when people hate uh, heterosexual people? I can't remember what it's called. It's uh, like straight bashing, or yeah, you know when when people are like, oh, there's a straight person, like avoid them. You know, on the scene, and they'll yeah, be like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I I, I kind of hate it because I've got a lot of uh, you know straight friends um, in in the rugby team and who are the biggest allies that I've mm-hmm. ever met, and mm-hmm. they you know they immerse themselves in the culture mm-hmm. and find out for themselves about everything and get mm. involved and it's it's really beautiful and like mm-hmm. you build such strong connections because we're stronger when we're together obviously yeah, yeah yeah of course um so we need to stop that and let them in as well but i wonder if some of that comes from experience as well just playing devil's advocate here because i yeah. think when people have had a tough time at school been bullied or they've had you know people shame them for who they are you do put up barriers to protect yourself. So maybe in some way, pe- when people are like that, it's because there's a deeper kind of issue. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, it's we need to have inclusive environments for, for everyone. But I th- also think, you know, safe environments, especially for queer people. You yeah. know, we're so lucky to have so many safe spaces, you know, pubs, bars, clubs, whatever. I mean, we talked about it. Brian's a very inclusive place. But I think, you know, I wouldn't feel comfortable just rocking up to Weatherspoons for a night out. I just wouldn't. Yeah, and, and, yeah same. And, you know, and so having someone like the Queen's Arms, it, that's my hate, my safe haven. It's my safe space. Do you know what I mean? And I guess when, I mean, I've been there before and heard people talking really poorly about trans people um, in the smoking area who were straight. And it was just, my friend walked away because they couldn't even listen to the conversation. Yeah. And, 
yeah and they kind of were asking me you know tell, tell me what i need to know and i just said I, the thing is as well it's one of those situations isn't it where you're out on a night out you're having a couple of drinks with your friend you're having your conversation you're minding your own business and then someone rocks up and goes i'm not being funny and i don't mean to cause offense but you're like right, hate that. here we go here we go and then i'm like why do I now have to educate you mm-hmm. about why your opinion is wrong at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night when I'm out with my friends trying to have a drink? In my space. In my space. Absolutely. This yeah. is a safe space. And actually, I could have been trans. You know, I that, that person didn't know mm-hmm. that. Um, I mean, I, I am a part of the non-binary community anyway, so I guess in some way I am. But um, I don't know, that just that just annoys me. So I think it's, it's all about kind of... Um, Safe spaces, inclusivity, but also respectfulness. Yes. That's so, balance. so important. Balance, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. No, it's oh, re- we just, we just jinxed. Jinxed oh. there, jinxed. Come like on, balance. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have the quick fire round for you. Thank you so much for talking about all that. I think this is the first time we've talked about sport on the podcast. And uh, this episode has been really exciting for me because I guess it's a topic that I've read about and something that I've seen headlines about, but also just to have a really deep chat about it I think is really important and you've just mentioned some of the other groups locally and again I would love to speak to some of those those people from like the out to swim and you know um because there's the the, there's the running group they've got um outdoor lads which is kind of like a a inclusive hiking group and they do lots of like outdoor activities so it's not always about sport but there's lots of groups that's kind of what I'm like promoting as such is that there's there's more than just you know, going down to the the, the local bar mm. and, and and getting drunk, and that and that's the trap that you can fall into. Yeah, and I've actually found stronger relationships sometimes outside of that in in mm. these in these inclusive spaces that we that we have um, out, outside of the, the the drinking norm. My head is um buzzing away. I'm thinking, oh, could there be a collective episode where I have representatives from all the different sport groups and we That'll talk about inclusive? Idea. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, I yeah. love that. Get my thinking cap on. Thank you so much. That was amazing. Quick fire round. Okay. This is always fun. I'm going to see how quick you can be because as you've listened to on all the other podcasts, everyone kind of goes, oh, I don't know what to do. Um, so, queer icon. Uh, Billy Joe from Green Day. Okay. Do you, do you want me to explain a little bit? Explain. Okay. So, uh, he is openly bisexual mm-hmm. uh, and I love my rock music. Okay. And um, I had a conversation with my dad when I was very young about what that actually meant. And he, a lot of their music, early music as well, um, was about him struggling with his identity. Okay. Even though he's married with a wife, he's an openly bisexual man. And and for me, whilst it wouldn't be the normal queer icon, uh, for me, he's he's my little queer icon mm. because it means so much to to me mm-hmm. um, and, and the music that helped me sort of come out. That's amazing. And I guess it's influences, isn't it? When you, you look up to people that have great stories and are brave and i guess you to to look up to him at a young age and love his music as well that's that's brilliant yeah. so oh that's yeah. really nice um queer anthem oh god um um uh commoners don't leave me this way oh yeah oh yeah that's a, that's that's camp that's that good is, it's yeah, good yeah. right i love jimmy summerfield he would be the other the other icon uh again similar thing coming out and seeing some of the videos that they used to do in the 80s and yeah. how groundbreaking that mm-hmm. was. Oh, I just, I just mm-hmm, love it. Mm-hmm. Do you know, it's funny, like when I was out last night, um, Cosmic did their show and we had the quiz and then karaoke came on afterwards, but we had like a bit of a kind of uh, a break so the guys could have a cigarette. And um, this, oh, I think it's Rainy Men came on and some other camp tunes. And I was like, I just love being out on a Thursday with all this camp music. It just, I don't know how you do it. I would be such a wreck on Friday. <laughs> well, I was off today. I had a day off. Oh, okay. But I did go to bed at half past four. Oh my god! It's a bit of a How do you do I it? Know. I know. Well, I, I didn't get up till twelve today, so there you go. <laughs> That's your answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
if you were a Pokemon character, what would you be? Oh my god, you know, you know my secrets. Okay, so uh, for I the saw fans, you at the, your pictures I, uh, from the other day at the festival. It's really cool. Yeah, I am a massive Pokemon fan. Again, I am a video gamer. Uh, so or the character I would be, as in what the Pokemon? Mm, if uh, you were a Pokemon character, it has, it has to be Gengar. He's this uh, ghost type. He's really chubby, really cute, very okay. like mischievous and, and naughty, and that's and that's that's camp. Okay, do you play Pokemon Go? I did, but I found myself staring at the floor on my phone too much, walking into things, so I had to stop. <laughs> yeah. My brother-in-law, who I mentioned to you earlier, and his girlfriend uh, play, I don't know if they still play, actually, but um, we were out one day, and they had their phones. I was going, what are you doing? They're like, oh, we're just collecting Pokemon. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> why not? Yeah, why, why not? not? Why not? I'll I've... stick to the games and the, and the cards and the collectibles. Yeah. And you've got those really cool Pokemon trainers, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. The ones from Irregular Choice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Converse-style, very camp. Uh, Amazing. Pokemon print ones that uh, I have worn quite a bit. Love it. The best meal that Alex has ever cooked you? Oh, um, oh, Alex cooks everything so amazing. Alex is my partner and he's such a foodie. Um, you know what? He copied my mum's chicken stew recipe Ooh. and um, he's kind of adapted it. Sorry, mum, but it's really good. Really good. Really good. And that sounds really basic, but it's, you know, when you get that homely meal that just mm. reminds you of being at home as a kid in the winter. It's it's next level. I think winter food is my favourite. Like 100%. I'm so excited. Like we had Jimmy around a few weeks ago, and they made a massive shepherd's pie, Love and it. I had gravy with brown sauce. Do you have brown sauce with your gravy? No, I don't really like brown sauce. Oh, I have to have brown sauce for my gravy dinners. It's just there's just it's I don't know what it is. It's just like a it adds like an extra bit of a twang or whatever. But um, <laughs> Theo does because we've been talking about dinner as a collective for ages, and actually Theo does the most amazing uh, chicken and dumplings, which is like a it's like a chicken, you, you basically, I think you, uh, well, <laughs> say like I know what I'm doing here. I think you like slow cook a chicken so it all kind of falls apart and everything. Yeah. And then you make this lovely like soupy broth with it and like, you put like chicken soup in it and like, it makes it nice and thick. And then you make um, dumplings that all go on the top. So you've yes. got this beautiful chicken and then all the dumplings. And that is such a Saturday night watching Strictly you know, comfort so food, good. glass of red wine. It just makes you feel happy. But that yeah. is pretty much what, what it is. Oh, okay. But we add pasta to it as well Ooh. for extra carbs. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> because the dumplings weren't enough. Yeah, exactly. You know, the suet fat balls weren't enough. Um, <laughs> Mind you, I, I could probably have about five of those. I love them so I much. I probably do. Yeah, yeah, I do. There's, there's a couple of dumplings left in the pot if you want them. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll yeah, go back. I will. <laughs> go back. Okay, that's cool. But he's a good cook generally. Oh, God, phenomenal. Absolutely okay. phenomenal. I've seen pictures on your Insta of him like cooking a race and stuff on a Sunday. Yeah. And I imagine they'll be pretty epic. I've I've got I've got it so easy. Like I come <laughs> I come home from the gym and he's like, Oh, I've cooked dinner. I'm like, Of course you have. Oh move uh, in, please move in. Yes. Yeah, yeah, please move in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, if someone is buying you a drink, what would it be? Oh, double gin slim. Okay. Every time. Gin and tonic. Love, yeah. I love it. I love a gin. It um, goes down quite easy though, doesn't it? That's the problem. Because mm. then you have eight and then you realise it's the next day. You've had um, 16 shots of gin. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. I love a, a craft ale. I love mm. I love a cider, all that sort of stuff. But if someone was going to buy me a drink, it's always a gin. Yeah, I do love gin. I've been drinking um, pints at the pub because they're a bit cheaper. Because I was spending a fortune on gin. Like if you have a, double, a d- decent double gin and tonic, it's about 10 quid. And the rest. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've charged more than that in, yeah. in, in our local vicinity. Yeah. And some of the pubs actually around here are getting more and more expensive. And, um, but I do like a GT, I have to say. I did have a, what did I have last night actually? Oh, I finished off my evening with a couple of, um, Southern Comforts with lemonade and lime. Yeah, good shout. Really, really nice. Very sweet. Very the good way to end the evening. Yeah, there. it was good. Yeah, and then I kind of got 
back and was trying to have a coherent conversation with Theo and Jimmy and then realised that I drunk quite a lot and <laughs> yeah, probably shouldn't have had those two, but they were nice. They were very nice. What would your drag name be? Mary Berry. <laughs> there we go. You said it was quick fire. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Berry. Mary Berry. Berry. Oh, yeah, as in Berry. Like, you know, Berry. As in, as in, as in a, bear. a bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, yeah. that's really, really cool. Okay, I like that. Um, and something you'd wish you'd done when you were younger. Oh, okay. Not that's, that you're, you know, 70 or anything, but. That's a question. Uh, um, oh, I am 30 this year, so. But big birthday <laughs> in November. Um, something I wish I did when I was younger. Uh, travel more. Okay. I'm having to do it now because I got too sort of caught up in work and mm. and things like that. Uh, and I wish I wish I saw a little bit more of the world when I was younger. Because yeah, okay. n- now I feel like I either can't afford it or I'm too nervous to do like backpacking or something um and you know my anxiety would just be through the roof or something like that although to be honest you're probably in a situation now though where actually if you travel and you're 18 you you're really skinned compared to like now when you can i mean i know you've got to work and pay your bills put it on the credit card yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah you've got credit now you can just do it it's absolutely fine (laughs) but yeah it's I, i know what you mean though it's but I think sometimes as you get older, it's you probably would choose nicer hotels or nicer places than you would have done when you were like exactly. 18. So it's a nicer yeah. thing to do. And what advice would you give finally for any queer athletes or aspiring rugby players looking to get into sport? Uh, reach out to your local groups, have a search around. Um, you know, if it's inclusive groups you're after, if you type in um, IGR um, into Google, it will give you your nearest club. Um, there's loads in the UK, but also for any international lift- listeners, there's over a hundred now um, across the world. There's loads in America. We've got you know in South Africa, um, Japan. There's there's tons. So um, there will be one one near you. So I uh, would reach out onto their socials or the, whatever what their website will say. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know my experience is that they'll always have like a, a welcoming committee yeah. and they'll be like you know come down and meet us at the yeah. at the club first and you can observe and you or if you want to get in you know and start stuff you can do it really depends on the person but um yeah. we're all we're all very friendly amazing. so that, awesome. that would be that would be my advice amazing paul thank you so much this has been such a lovely conversation and we talked about doing this what four or five months ago at the pub oh god i think it must have been like the first day i met you yeah. i think yeah um, so I'm so on, happy. on that fateful evening um and i'm <laughs> So I've been so excited to get on here because um, I I am an absolute fan of the podcast. Oh, thank so you so much. You've, you've done amazingly. Thank you, and it's an absolute pleasure to talk to you about um, you know the sport and your experiences. And so thank you so much for coming on. No, thank you. Well, that was such a fantastic conversation. I really enjoyed speaking with Paul today about the importance of having safe spaces for queer people to thrive in sport. It's such an important topic and a really important topic to talk about around our trans siblings and the importance of inclusion. We've got to create safe spaces and we've got to keep the conversation going to ensure there's equality for all. It is so, so important. You can follow the Brighton Hive Sea Serpents on Instagram and they also have a website if you want to find out further information. And you can also follow Paul on Instagram and see what he's up to. But thank you once again to him for coming on the podcast and having this amazing conversation with me. Until next time. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. My handle is at Actually. You can also check out my website, flueyactually.com.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.